Hello and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Nourish is a well-being app created by mums for mums, offering bite-sized calm and well-being at your fingertips. The app is an on-demand library of meditations, videos and quick reads across mindfulness, yoga nidra, psychology and much more, all tailored to the emotions and challenges we face as mums. It's a support team of well-being experts in your pocket who are all mums themselves who get it. Try Nourish to de-stress, restore and reboot and find more love, joy and calm in the chaos and pressures of modern mum life. Nourish was named App of the Day by Apple and is free to download and explore on iOS and Android. Check it out at thenourishapp.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 9, Episode 5. And this week I am chatting to Charlie Barker. Now Charlie Barker is the founder of Bumps and Burpees, a community of mums and mums-to-be wanting to stay fit, happy and healthy during pregnancy and into motherhood. Charlie is a former gymnast and she later became a personal trainer and specialised in pre- and postnatal fitness and health. Her goal is to help mothers build core strength and stamina so they can support their bodies through pregnancy and beyond. Today, Charlie joins me to talk about her personal experience of conceiving, pregnancy, her birth story and general advice for women around pre and postnatal fitness and how to fit in time to exercise. We also answer all of your listener questions and any that we haven't answered, I will say at the end, but I will be chatting with a physio later on in the series and we'll get those questions answered for you enjoy today's podcast um so you've got a little boy so how old's your little boy he's six months oh oh my goodness and how are you finding motherhood this is your first right yes yeah yeah it's my first and i'm finding motherhood exactly as i imagined it a bit of mixture of everything emotional amazing exhausting (laughs) yeah absolutely and I guess if he's six months you had him in lockdown yep we had him in August so it was sort of in between lockdown so you know life wasn't really back to normal but we were we were less strict so we were allowed to see our families which was really nice yeah and did you um did you find that you had the support you needed Um, from our families, yes. And also my husband was at home, which was great, uh, because he was working from home. So even after his paternity leave finished, he was still, you know, he's still now able to sort of jump in if I need him. Although, you know, he is working, (laughs) but I I do grab him if I really need an extra pair of hands. Um, but in terms of health visitors, they were very helpful, but it was all on the phone and that it's just not the same. No, they did their best, and I don't, I don't blame them for it at all. But it was just, I would have loved for someone to come here and actually chat to me. But you know, 
we were not a worrying case. So I think if the baby is having a real hard time, or you are, then they mm. do send someone around. But we were okay. It was just, you know, it's my first time. It would have been nice to to have somebody in person. It's nice to have that reassurance, isn't it? Even to just have someone lay eyes on you and your baby who, you know, is a, is a professional like that. It's just, it's just nice to have that reassurance, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And just check that he's doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, which you obviously are. You absolutely are. Um, I've seen him a, a few times pop up on your Instagram stories and he's so cute. <laughs> he's so oh, cute. Wow. You know what, at the very beginning I was thinking, I'll I'll do a few things with him and then I'll, you know, I'll go back to posting my old stuff and every day that I didn't post him I'd get messages, where's Alfie, we want to see more of Alfie's. It's become like a bit of the Alfie show, that Instagram account actually, so (laughs) he, luckily he's good at at pulling a smile to the camera because they love him. You know what though, I think that that's such, it's so natural, it's such a lovely natural progression when you enter motherhood and it's um I mean mine's exactly the same every time I post something it's 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 basically Amandine there's no yoga on there anymore it's pretty much just Amandine all over the page (laughs) and that's what everyone enjoys (laughs) it's so funny so how was your birth are you happy to talk about your birth oh yeah absolutely so I actually really like talking about my birth because um it's funny, on paper, quite a lot happened in my birth, mm. but actually, I found it a very positive, happy experience. Obviously, you know, it wasn't the least painful thing in my life, but um, <laughs> basically, I was induced um, at, th- at 40 plus five days because Alfie decided that morning not to do any moving, and he was a very kicky baby. So I went in to get checked out, and as soon as I went in, he decided to show me up and kick more than he's ever kicked before. So oh. I was really embarrassed. <laughs> he, I, he, I was strapped up to the monitor, and they were going, are you sure he's not kicking? I was like, um, he wasn't until now. So anyway, they said, look, everything seems fine, but if that wasn't really normal for you... We could just get things going, um, you know, you're overdue now, so if you want to. And it was about 37 degrees outside in August, Ooh. so I was really ready not to be pregnant anymore. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's get things going. And they they um, did the induction with a balloon, and I think this is quite, it's fairly new in some hospitals, so yes. I hadn't heard of it before my NCT classes and learned about it, but it's a non-hormone induction. So it was a really... I was really happy with it because basically the balloon just gets inserted above your cervix. They fill it with water and then it hangs down on your cervix, giving it a bit of pressure so that it hopefully it will enable them to get in there and break your waters for you and sort of get things going that way. But actually, I think when they put the balloon in, they basically did a mini sweep at the same time to get oh. them in there and it stopped labor immediately because I was having these I had no pain before the balloon went in after the balloon went in I was feeling what I would call contractions they were telling me oh no no they're just gentle tightenings you're not even in labor this is just like because <laughs> we put the balloon in. it was every 90 seconds literally every 90 seconds straight away oh my god and, uh, I was thinking oh my god I'm never gonna be able to cope with actual labor if this is is you know not even it and then um, I was supposed to have the balloon in for 12 hours. And then when they take it out, then they burst your waters. But my waters broke an hour and a half after the balloon went in. So wow. actually, I think that... Your body was I ready. Was actually, yeah, completely. I was going into labor anyway. Um, but because they had just put the balloon in, they said to me, 
oh, you're probably still about three centimeters. And I was like, oh my God. So I said to them, look, why can I have an epidural whilst I dilate? Because I'm so exhausted because I had no time to rest in between these contractions. Mm. And I was, th- I was panicking, thinking I'm never going to be able to have enough energy when labor does start. So they said, OK, yeah, great idea. They gave me an epidural. And then just before I sort of kicked my feet up and was going to have a nap, they said, oh, we'll check, see how far dilated you are now, and then we'll check you again in four hours. And when she checked, she, the look on her face, I knew it. She said, oh, my God, you're 10 centimetres already. What? You're ready to push it. You know, let, let's no go. Way. I, like, I told you. So um, it's annoying because I wasn't against having an epidural at all. I was very open to whatever was needed. But I could have started pushing you know, ages before I did, because then obviously I couldn't feel the contractions. So it all sort of slowed down and I wasn't pushing effectively for a while and things like this. Eventually it was absolutely fine, but he turned his shoulder. He like swiveled around and got a bit stuck. So they, um, they took me to theater and said, we will give you a go with the forceps. We'll actually give you a spinal block just in case that doesn't work. We'll have to do a cesarean because he's been down there for quite a long time. And he's getting a bit distressed. And I, at this point, I was so exhausted. I was just yelling at them, just give me a cesarean. I don't want to push anymore. Yeah. And I wasn't feeling any pain because I had the epidural. I was just so tired. Um, anyway, I was very fortunate that with the forceps, he was out in three pushes, I think. So eventually I didn't need the cesarean, but it was all a little bit stressful looking back because there was about 12 people around me. Mm. We were in theatre, bright lights everywhere. But actually I felt complete trust in all of these doctors and they'd explained everything to me really really well um and so I didn't I don't look back on it as a traumatic experience at all because I feel like I had very very good rapport with these midwives and doctors over that eight hours I was with them and um you know, it ended up being a great birth, not exactly how I'd loved it to be. I would have loved to give birth in the water, but it wasn't to be. So I think it went well, but I know people who've had very similar births who look back and they say it was the worst birth they could have imagined. So I think it just depends on your mindset, doesn't it? Mm, Absolutely. Did you do any hypnobirthing or any preparation for birth other than NCT? Yeah, I did hypnobirthing. And um, what I found is that the breathing techniques were so helpful for Mm. me uh, in the very early stages, because I was really trying to get in the mindset of, I'm not, apparently I'm not even in labor. So I really (laughs) have to stay calm now. (laughs) I can't believe that. (laughs) How am I ever going to get to the, to the real bit where actually I was already 10 centimeters and I should have been pushing. But anyway, I, um, I used the breathing techniques there, but actually what I found hypnobirthing really helpful for is just understanding what was happening every time there was a contraction. I'm a real um, sucker for like data and knowledge and statistics. Mm. And for me, it helped knowing that the pain I was feeling was actually, you know, the uterus contracting and it was moving Mm. up and down and all these things. And I, and I really felt empowered knowing why it was feeling how it was feeling so I felt that I didn't use all of the hypnobirthing I didn't listen to any affirmations on the day or anything like that but I did pick and choose things from it and I definitely think that the breathing helped keep me calm in those early stages Mm. so let's backtrack slightly um to your pregnancy and of course conceiving and conceiving was quite a long emotional journey for you and your husband Yes. I mean, 
it was it's, it's funny because now we're on the other side of it you look back and you think oh it was okay wasn't it but no you're right it, was, it really was a long road uh we we actually had four miscarriages before we got pregnant with Alfie's pregnancy um and one of them was a missed miscarriage so we had to I had to basically be induced and it was all quite traumatic and and by the third miscarriage I was thinking oh my god I don't know if this is bad luck anymore are we are we just never going to have a baby are we going to struggle I was before that I was staying very positive because you know you just hear it everywhere one in three one in four Mm. you know it's very common and I was saying I was saying to myself you know what you know next one will be fine and then all of a sudden we were counting number three and number four and I was thinking oh no but we found um I did a lot of research the NHS did all their testing on me and everything came back fine so they were saying to me you know it really is just bad luck but I just had this gut feeling that something kept happening because I kept losing the baby at the exact same time and you know it may have been bad luck but I wasn't just going to sit back and let more bad luck keep happening so I did a lot of research and I found this doctor that I was recommended to go and see um by Emma Cannon who I was seeing for acupuncture, oh yes she's a, been on the podcast she's brilliant mm. yeah she's actually a good friend as well I used to babysit her daughters when I was younger and, oh. and then it came full circle I was training her in the gym and then she was giving me acupuncture and she yeah she's absolutely amazing and and she was a real um key person in that time because she helped keep me calm but she also helped me feel like I wasn't being silly to worry about these things you know she gave me a re- she said no I do think you're right something is happening so she recommended me to go and see this doctor who is a recurrent miscarriage specialist mm. because we weren't struggling to conceive we actually um kept conceiving the first month we tried each time we didn't have an issue with that we just had an issue with stage two <laughs> keeping mm. the baby in there and so we went to see this doctor and actually we were already pregnant with Alfie before we saw him and he got quite cross with us because that's not the plan. You're supposed to go and see him not pregnant so he can do all sorts of blood tests on you and see see what's going on. Um, but he said, oh, I told you not to get pregnant. <laughs> and we felt like two naughty school children sort of sat in the headmaster's office. Like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Uh, but he said, look, this baby is probably going to miscarry because, you know, let's just be honest, that's what's been happening before, which was quite hard to hear. But it was actually helpful because it, it stopped me getting too emotional about it, I think, early mm-hmm. on. And he said, but let's do some blood tests and see what your body is doing when you're pregnant. That may give me an indication of what's going on. But he said, I'll give you um, some of this, these steroids that he would have given me um, once the results are back. And he said, let's do two weeks of this medication. And when you come back, we'll have the results and we can see if we've managed to save this pregnancy or not. So it was a really long two weeks, obviously. Mm. I was trying to get my hopes up or anything like that. In fact, quite the opposite. I was sort of saying, um, when I miscarry this baby, you know, it felt mm. like it, it wasn't going to last anyway. And we went back to, the, to see him and he said, before we do the scan to see, I'll tell you the results. And it shows that you actually have not a high number of natural killer cells, but they are very, very active when you are pregnant. So my body was basically fighting off pregnancies. It thought that the pregnancy was a, a foreign body and a disease that it needed to get rid of. So it was actually trying to help me out, but in the completely wrong way. So he said that makes a lot of sense why your body kept miscarrying the baby, you know, six to nine weeks, because that's when 
the hormones rise and the body would have gone into a panic. Oh, so wow. then he said, right, let's see, see what's been going on in your body now in the last two weeks. And he, we went and had a scan and he saw a heartbeat. Mm. And it was the first time seen a heartbeat because in all the other scans the baby had already passed before we got there so we saw a heartbeat and I've never never been so excited to see that flickering dot that's yeah. all it was just a yeah. dot was flicking down and I felt so happy but you know I was still very anxious and very much like you know let's just take each appointment at a time because from then we had to go in every two weeks to have an update of medication to have a scan and I was on drips and all sorts of things and every time I went in Things were progressing. The baby was getting bigger at the right stages. You know, it was all going to plan. But still, as soon as I'd leave the scan, I'd think, oh, God, but what happens if by the next scan things have gone wrong? You know, I immediately would think the worst, which mm. I think your brain just takes you there, doesn't it? But I, they, they signed us off at 19 weeks. And then I was back with the NHS, which was really kind of them, because obviously it's not cheap. I had to go private for it. We, we didn't have an unlimited budget. So I was very honest with him at the time. And I said, I would love to be seeing you every two weeks for the entire pregnancy because it's so great for my anxiety. But we can't, we can't afford to keep doing that. So he prepared me and did everything he needed to do with me. And then when he was happy, he said, off you go, back to the NHS. Your pregnancy is actually now what we would call a low risk which felt amazing to hear and then it was no risk the whole way through to the end um everything went as planned I guess I I felt more reassured once I could feel kicks and they actually came quite late because I had an anterior placenta so he mm. only started kicking me that I could feel at 21 22 weeks which felt so long it does doesn't it I know and and it's so nice when you do feel them kicking because you think oh they're in there and as we were speaking about before that we press play that they kick all night and you think oh god but that's okay that's okay as long as you're fine in there just keep kicking um and then when I held him in my arms after that birth I just breathed a huge sigh of relief like I don't think I realized how anxious I continued to be mm. until all of a sudden he was here so it, it was an amazing thing to be pregnant, amazing, but I think the miscarriages sort of robbed me a bit of innocence and I was yeah. always a little bit worried at every single stage, um, which I think is normal, but I I was just so grateful to be pregnant. Do you feel your anxiety has stayed with you um, into this stage of motherhood or is that much, much better now? Oh, it's actually much, much better. I feel, I don't feel anxious actually about Alfie as anywhere near as much as I thought I would because I think I can see him and he's here I think when you're pregnant the hard thing is is you don't know what's going on um and I can now look at him and, and think you know he had a rash on his forehead the other day and I can see it and I can monitor it and see right if it gets worse then I'll do this and if you know I can see things so I think my anxiety is a lot better um, and I can call people for help because I can call a doctor and show him a picture of what's going on rather than having to guess or wait two weeks for a scan and things like this. So I'm not an anxious mum, which, I mean, I may turn into one as he gets older, but so <laughs> so good. <laughs> so did you do a lot of um, working out and prenatal um, fitness when you were pregnant? Or was it... I imagine because it was such an uncertain time for you that that was also quite uncertain. Yes. I mean, 
It really was. But actually, each pregnancy I had, I treated it a bit differently when it came to exercise. So mm. it was sort of my like trial and error. <laughs> so I, on one of the miscarriages, I exercised completely normally. One of the miscarriages, I ex- I didn't exercise at all. In fact, I tried to stay as still as possible because I thought, oh, maybe if I don't move much, the baby will stay in there. You know, you mm. think crazy thoughts when, you, when you're going through that. Um, and then I miscarried anyway. So it really taught me that very, very, very rarely is it that you've done a specific type of exercise that's caused you to miscarry. So in this pregnancy, I, I was very moderate in terms of my exercise so I exercised every week but some weeks I would do more than others because I felt exhausted or I felt sick or you know my body was feeling different so I kept up my exercise obviously we went into lockdown when I was 20 weeks so I'd really got into swimming at the beginning which I was so gutted about not being able to use the pool but I loved swimming I felt really great in the water um, but then after that, I just had a pair of dumbbells at home and we borrowed a, a bike off the local gym near us. And I just used that. And I was very, I wasn't pushing myself hard. And I really worked hard on not making myself feel guilty if I needed extra days off exercise because I just knew that my body would tell me what was right. So I just worked on staying strong and I did a lot of walking. Um, but I actually really, for once in my life, I was, I was very respectful of my body and I, and I rested when I needed to. And I, and not that I didn't respect my body before, but I think we all go through those phases when we go, keep pushing through. I've got to do a hit workout today. I've got to, because I ate loads of cake yesterday or something like that. And, and when I was pregnant, I just thought, you know what? My body is doing this amazing thing. I need to do what's good for my body and not not punish it for things and not push it through exercise that it doesn't feel good doing. So I did exercise all the way through, but not anywhere near as much as I thought I would, which I was happy about. Mm. It must be so tricky doing the job that you do because every single woman's di- woman is different prenatally, I mean, postnatally as well, but prenatally especially because every single pregnancy is different, every single woman's body is different, um, every single you know new mother's anxiety is different everyone's had their own conception journey which plays on I, I definitely believe it plays on how you then feel about exercising within your pregnancy I mean my first pregnancy with Amandine I did a lot not a lot but I did a lot, a lot well I did do a lot a lot of walking and then I did do some workouts as well but with this pregnancy we really struggled to conceive this time and it wasn't an early it wasn't an easy journey with um suspected miscarriage and then quite a lot of early bleeding with this pregnancy and so exercise this time just hasn't really been a thing walks yes but exercise not so much so it must be really tricky to um cater for you know everyone if you know what i mean um doing doing what you do yeah, and also, you know, even everybody is different, but also every day is different. So yes. if you feel like yesterday you could go and run a marathon, you felt so great. Today you might feel like you can hardly walk to the end of the road and back. So you have to be, I think that the skill I learned really early on is that you have to be really good at adjusting to what's thrown at you. So, you know, I might go and see a client and you know, I had a plan in my head of what we were going to do exercise wise. And she opens the door to me and she looks exhausted because she's hardly slept and she's saying her hips hurt her and I have to change it because, 
because these things come up and pregnancy is so unpredictable. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that people's conception journeys can really uh, impact on how they feel when they, when they exercise. And I really truly believe in that physical strength and mental strength come hand in hand. They fit, they are so important to both be dealt with. So, you know, a lot of personal trainers become, therapists to their clients without realizing it because actually if you don't feel good about yourself um, and not I don't mean that you have to love your body and be happy all the time but you know if you're going through a really hard time exercise is not really the thing that you fancy doing and often we think it is so we do it but we're doing it to punish ourselves or we're you know we're doing it with a negative connotation so I really have we have to look at the personal training clients as a case-by-case scenario so that's one thing but in terms of making, you know, writing my book and doing the online classes, I have to give so many variations for mm. each exercise just to ma- ma- make sure that each woman doing the class feels that they've got an option for them. So, for example, if I'm doing press-ups, I'll say, okay, so if you can and you feel like your core is strong enough, you may try these in a full plank position. If you are in your second trimester or you X, X, Y, and Z, drop your knees down but tuck your hips. If you've got a big bump and you're near the end of your Mm -hmm. pregnancy, your knees closer to your hands. And, you know, there's always three or four options for each exercise because you've just got to imagine that you've got everyone from – a professional athlete to a never never done exercise before woman to someone with morning sickness to someone who feels great you've got to assume you've got everyone in your class mm. um, but yeah it's a it's not as simple as your general workout because there's a lot more than just the exercises that come into play absolutely so whilst we're talking about prenatal um fitness and exercise what would you recommend for I, mean, I know this is a really tricky question isn't it and we will come on to some more listener specific questions in a moment but let's say first second third trimester what would you recommend to women out there who want to exercise and want to uh, build their strength and um do it men- do it for their mental health as well well i would say in your first trimester often women well i get messages like this all the time so it's a really good question to talk about but i get messages from women who say I just did a pregnancy test this morning um what should I change about my exercise I usually go running for example and actually in your first trimester there isn't much you need to change in terms of you know that you have to change what will dictate what you're changing about your exercise is how you're feeling so Mm. if you're feeling you know really nauseous or you're actually being sick or you're completely exhausted you must listen to your body. So I would never, ever recommend women pushing through those symptoms and making yourself exercise, even though it's the last thing you can face doing. Because your body at that stage, you know what goes on in that first trimester? The baby is basically fully formed, just tiny. You know, all the organs are built. It's very busy. So if it's feeling exhausted, it's because it is exhausted. And you you pushing it through a strength workout when you can hardly keep your eyes open is not going to do you much good. So there's a difference between feeling a bit tired and feeling pregnancy exhausted, isn't there? So mm. I think if you know that your body is absolutely on its last legs and you're feeling sick and you don't fancy it at all, please don't feel guilty about that. It's absolutely fine and you are more than likely going to get your energy back really soon. So you can start exercising when you feel good to. On the other side of things, if you are feeling great and loads of women out there don't have nasty symptoms in their first trimester, um, then you can carry on as usual 
crucial. So if you were doing HIIT workouts before, you can keep doing them. If you're running before or spinning or lifting weights, Pilates yoga, whatever it is, you can carry on. What I would say in terms of um, classes, always let the teacher know you're pregnant. Even if you just do it secretly before the class, if you don't want to tell anyone else, always let them know because if there is adaptations they would like you to make, and I'm referring to yoga here, I think there's a few things they really, really Mm. don't like you doing in your first trimester, Mm. then they can just subtly give you those um, adjustments. But in terms of type of activity, you can carry on. What I would just say is make sure that you're no longer pushing yourself to your complete 10 out of 10 max. I would say aim for 7 out of 10 as your absolute maximum. You want to be pushing yourself as far as you can comfortably do it. So no more lying on the floor, rolling around, catching your breath at the end of a... (laughs) No more dripping. You can be sweaty, that's fine, but you know that kind of sweaty where you're bright red in the face and Mm -hmm. you don't come out for two hours. No more of that. You need to make sure that you can still talk comfortably for your exercises and that you can catch your breath and that when you stop to have a rest, your heart rate comes down again. So by all means, carry on with your exercise, but just make sure that you're not pushing yourself to your absolute limit. That's that's all I'd say. Mm. And how were you? Um, how did you recover after you'd had your little one? I actually was very, very pleasantly surprised at how I recovered. So I had um, an episiotomy with the forceps delivery. And at the time, I was just thinking, oh, God, I'm going to be rehabbing these stitches for ages. It's going to be awful. You know, all these things go through your mind. You never want any stitching, do you, anywhere, let alone down there. <laughs> but I, um, the first couple of days, I remember sitting at home and I was texting Claire Bourne, who's the physio I work with. She's a really, really good friend of mine. I think you, you're going to have her on the podcast. She's yes. brilliant. But I was texting her saying oh my God, I feel like everything's going to fall out. What have I done? I've definitely got a prolapse. I just felt like everything was very heavy. And every time I stood up, I felt like the world was going to fall out of me. It just felt very, very strange. And I was just imagining myself having to work on rehab for this for years to come. It just felt really, really different to me. But I was very good at not doing much at all in that first week, two weeks. My husband was amazing at sort of bringing me food and water and bringing me the baby when I needed to feed him. So I wasn't moving around more than I needed to. I was definitely up and about and walking, but I wasn't having to do anything that I didn't need to. So I rested a lot. And after about two, maybe 10 days to two weeks, I felt so much better. I no longer felt like I was going to lose my insides when I stood up. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised at how quickly the stitches healed. Um, And in terms of my strength and things, I don't know about other mums, but I the first six weeks went by in a flash and there was no part, no part where I thought oh, I, I need to be doing some workouts. I was absolutely happy to just be going on some walks, doing a bit of stretching here and there because you do get a bit achy from all that, like, you know, sitting up breastfeeding in bed and things. Um, and I felt really, really good. But I think the reason I felt good is that I really took my time. I mm. did not push my recovery at all. I had a physio checkup, which I think, every woman should do if they have the means to do it it's so so useful so I had a physio checkup at uh seven or eight weeks somewhere around there and she said that yep everything looks fine you can start to build up your strength now um but I was working on my pelvic floor and I I really really am pleased that I didn't rush back into things because I thought I'd be the kind of person that was gagging to get back to it but actually 
I was exhausted. My body was tired. You know, I, I wasn't sleeping much, so I just needed to ease myself back in. And now I'm six months postpartum. I feel like it's been a really steady improvement. So there wasn't ever a day where I thought, I'm back to normal. But now at six months, when I look back in the past couple of weeks, I think, you know what, I really feel like I've improved and I feel like I've done it the correct way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's my first baby and I know we were talking about it, second baby, third baby, the body reacts in different ways, but I felt strong going into it, strong throughout, and I feel really good now, six months postpartum. Mm. And postnatally, what would you recommend to mums, just like we did prenatally? What would you recommend postnatally? So, as I was saying, I would really recommend not rushing. Mm. I get messages all the time from women saying, I've had a baby two weeks, going to feel amazing. What workout would you recommend? Mm. And I have to say, I don't recommend any workout. It's incredible that you're feeling so good after two weeks, but your body has so much natural recovery to do. If you imagine to fit your baby in there, your uterus and your organs need to move around you know, things are not where they should be inside. So you just need to give it a bit of time um, to, to heal by itself before you work on it. Now, in those first six to 10 weeks, there are things you can do. So obviously walking, getting up and moving is great. In fact, you don't want to be sitting down too much because you really do seize up. So when you feel ready to, walking is great, but you don't need to walk far. Start the first walk with just 10, 15 minutes and see how you feel because it could be that actually that's too far for you and you need to build it up. Um, and, and pelvic floor exercises, we can get into them, but they're hard to remember to do. And especially the first time I tried to do them, they were a bit painful. I needed mm. to wait a little bit longer till I was actually you know more recovered so I think I started doing them properly I mean when I remember it's so hard to remember to do them isn't it it is <laughs> um I set an alarm on my phone actually which reminded me to do them because because I just forget but I started doing them a bit more around four or five weeks um and that was right for me and then when it came back came to doing some you know exercise in inverted commas again I had my physio checkup with Claire and she said all was okay um you know my pelvic floor was fine it needed a bit more strengthening so you know she just warned me of that so I knew that I wasn't going to go do some running straight away and I need to work on that so what I did is I um started to do some body weight exercises and the first day I did I think 20 minutes of some squats and lunges and you know just a couple of things see how my body felt and my muscles were so achy the next <laughs> I was so shocked I couldn't believe it but I guess it just shows you how out of practice your body is after having a baby you know mm. you've been off exercise for however many weeks um, you need to build it back up. So my main piece of advice would be don't start exercising with where you think you used to be. Don't mm. go straight back into a HIIT workout or don't go and lift the heavy weights because your body has been through so much and it's also had time off. So you need to rebuild that strength. So I would say yoga, Pilates, everything that helps you to engage your breath and your core and your pelvic floor again is amazing to start back with and then build it back up. Bodyweight exercises, then light weights, resistance bands, things like that, but just don't jump in at the deep end because I've seen so many women end up going backwards in their recovery because they end up getting an injury or they're getting if you've had a cesarean and your scar isn't healed and your core hasn't healed and you go too fast too quickly 
I've seen women get hernias, you know, all mm. these different things. And you really, really don't want to be getting injured with a new baby because life is tough enough <laughs> as it is. So my advice would be, please don't rush. You've got all the time in the world to get back to it. Just steadily is the way forward. Mm. So let's get into some a few more specific topics and specific questions and seeing as we've been talking about the pelvic floor a fair bit and I have to say I shared in what you felt um post-birth I literally felt like my insides were going to come south um Ooh. after <laughs> Amandine for some reason I didn't do the whole you know just stay relatively lying down and rest for a week or so after birth I think come Amandine had quite bad jaundice so literally the day after I'd given birth we were back in the uh, midwife unit getting that checked and we had to go every single day for the next week Um, which I think had me thinking that I was I could do and was expected to do quite a lot more than what I should be doing Um, and I was out going for like because you've had when you've you've had any other sort of medical procedure, you yeah. go home and you rest and you sleep, and then you've had a baby, and we are expected and we expect ourselves just to bounce on back and get on with life because we, you know, our baby needs us. So I think we underestimate how exhausted our bodies are. Oh, absolutely! I remember getting back from the hospital at five o'clock in the afternoon with Amandine and thinking, oh, okay, well, I've got a bit of time before I need to feed her again. She's asleep. She's fine. Literally just got out of hospital after giving birth. I started folding the laundry, made <laughs> made some dinner. And looking back on it, I'm like, what was wrong with me? <laughs> I know, but you know what? When you have a second baby, you are even less still when you get home from the hospital. I because know. Because wants to play with you and you don't want them to feel left out. And, you know, it's not always possible to lie down. But what I mean is when when you're resting, just try to move just for what you need to do so don't be rushing up and down the stairs if you can ask your partner to grab something for you then do that instead or you know just ease yourself into things and just remember what your body's just literally been through because Mm. it's it's not nothing you know it's a big thing and it needs time to recover but yeah I don't think we all do it I you know I was I was trying to do things my husband was like will you just sit down (laughs) Mm. I'm trying to prepare my husband this time around for me being a lot stiller than I was first time around (laughs) I keep trying to prep him being like okay let's 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 get a accurate picture of what this might look like (laughs) I'm very pleased early (laughs) yeah exactly um but my point was with my with this second pregnancy I'm quite nervous to do um you know quite a few exercises because I do feel heaviness once again in my nether regions and also a fair amount of what I assume is pelvic girdle pain. I mean, being a yoga teacher, I know what aggravates it and what what makes it better. Um, so I'm able to control it that way. But I do, if I find that I'm walking around, again, this is probably something to ask Claire as well, but if I'm walking around too much or I go on too long of a walk and then I sit down, when I get back up again, I feel this heaviness sensation in my pelvic floor. Now, obviously, I'm growing another baby and I'm in my third trimester. But with that kind of feeling, just, you know, going for a walk, is there anything that I can be doing to strengthen or to feel a little bit more supported um, in that area? 
Yes. I mean, it's interesting when you say going for a walk, because often we say things like, oh, I've just been walking or all I'm doing is walking. And actually, I had that exact same feeling. Um, and I think it is pelvic girdle pain. Um, I mean, you can never be sure, can you? Because you're just mm. going on how you describe it. But that sounds exactly what I had. And walking sometimes was the worst thing I could be doing for it. So mm. actually, I could do squats absolutely fine but walking especially going up a hill and things like this that was causing a, a lot more pain what I felt like I could do to help was obviously feeling heaviness in your pelvic floor is probably because your pelvic floor has been weakened from your first pregnancy and now you've got another baby resting on top of it so continuing with your pelvic floor exercises is absolutely vital mm. um, but doing them in different positions is really important too so sitting standing and lying you can do them in all those positions so you want to be able to keep your pelvic floor strong whilst you're in those positions so it's no point us only doing them when we're lying down because actually not many people feel the symptoms when they're lying down it's when yeah. they're standing walking isn't it so it's very yeah. important to do it in all different positions like maybe when you're brushing your teeth for example because we do that every day um and you're usually standing up doing it so maybe try whilst you're doing that today to do a couple of pelvic floor squeezes then then the other thing that really helped me and I know it helps a lot of women is to really keep the glutes active mm-hmm. um so before I would go on a walk I would do a couple of glute activating exercises with a resistance band um just to make sure they were switched on because actually a lot of us have very lazy glutes and it means that they're just not helping the pelvis at all. They're not giving any support. And if you just switch them on before you go on a walk or keep them active, then they can, it can help a lot. Um, I know that Claire often recommends um, women to wear a support belt on their bump if their bump is especially big or low, um, which could take a bit of pressure off and helps help your pelvis a little bit with that. Um, but then, as you said, you know all the things that make the aggravator, and we're all very different, but I would recommend anyone listening, if you've got this kind of pain, to avoid doing things where your legs are separate too much. Mm. So if stairs in the house, take them one by one. Don't do two at a time. Um, and if it's really bad, do do two feet on one step, you know, do it like a toddler, take ages to get up the stairs, but don't separate them too far. No step ups, no lunges. Um, make sure you're exercising with your feet staying still. So squats and deadlifts and glute bridges are much more comfortable when you've got this pain. Or if it's a case of it's it's a bit niggly, it's not too bad. Maybe try these exercises without any dumbbells or without any resistance band just to take off the pressure mm. uh, and see how it goes. Because for me, it was in the, my second trimester, I had it the worst and it got better in my third trimester. So Is I think it? I, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. It got better. It was actually for me by the end, it was only uncomfortable when I was in bed. Um, so I had to sleep with a pregnancy pillow in between my legs mm. and that helped a lot. But in terms of the walking, it was the end of, it was about 26 to 29, 30 weeks, somewhere around there that it was really bad. And I was just panicking, thinking, how is it going to manifest itself? I've still got ages to go, but it ended up sort of evening out for me, which was really handy. But I'd say glute strength, definitely pelvic floor exercises are a must. And just avoiding those single leg exercises if you're getting any extra symptoms doing those. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. 
Support when you're pregnant is so important. I started this podcast to ask and answer all the questions that were racing through my mind. And I know from all your messages that you are full of them too. That's why I've teamed up with Bundle, a fantastic organisation of antenatal teachers, GPs, sleep consultants, breastfeeding specialists and more, who offer small group antenatal classes digitally over Zoom and face-to-face in London. Bundle classes are a great way to meet other mums at the same stage of the journey as you and get real answers to your questions. The expert support doesn't end when your baby is born either, as once you're a bundle mum, you'll get their advice throughout baby's first year. There were definitely times I could have done with that. Mum Talk listeners can get 10% off any bundle course by mentioning Mum Talk when booking. Go to www.bundlelondon.com to find out more. So let's um, move to these listener questions. Now, I know some of the questions we have answered, but I, I would like everyone to feel that they have heard their question and had have it answered. Um, so let's start with where to start with exercising again. After having a baby? Yes. So I would say that um, make sure that you are you're getting your body going again in a really safe and gentle way. So I would say my first support of call always, and I did this this time, was um, Pilates-based workout. doesn't mean you need to go and start signing up to Pilates, but that kind of workout would be perfect because what it does is it really helps you use your breath to engage your core and your pelvic floor again and just reconnect it so that when you do start doing more intense exercise, your body can function how it should do um i then then would recommend going into body weight exercise and i would recommend staying and it's actually the physio guidelines to stay away from running um until quite a long time after you've been doing your strength work so three months minimum six months ideally after you have started exercising again often people think oh I'll just go out for a jog that's like an easy option and it is an easy option because you don't need anything to do it but every time you land how multiple times your body weight is going through your body and your joints and your pelvic floor is just not strong enough to deal with that yet so make sure you start with body weight strength work building up the strength of your muscles so that your joints are supported so that when you go back to running, if you want to, then your body can cope with it first. So Pilates-based stuff first on the mat, then body weight, and then steadily upwards from there. That's great advice. I didn't realise that with running, actually. So that's that's a real eye-opener. It's a lot further than people think. And, you know, when Mm. you do running don't leave your house and think I'm going to run 5k because it's hard maybe go to the park and think okay I'm going to jog to that lamppost and then I'm going to walk for a bit and then I'm going to jog to that tree and I'm going to walk for a bit and just see how your body feels because actually it might be that it's too soon or you might feel great and realize that next time you can push it a bit further so I would just ease into it but don't definitely don't go for your run as your first exercise back from having a baby next question how do you set realistic fitness goals with a baby slash babies (laughs) well that is something that i've realized is probably the hardest thing about postnatal exercise yeah the time and guaranteeing the time because yes you'll be able to 
find 20 minutes in your day but can you exercise in those 20 minutes and often my workouts are about half an hour but before that half an hour I'm having to make sure Alfie is fed and changed and either asleep or lying next to me with lots of toys or you know it's it's really a lot of organization that comes into it so I would say that instead of thinking right this week I'm going to exercise on Monday and Wednesday and Friday you just say to yourself I am going to try and do three lots of exercise this week or two lots or whatever it might be and set your goals to be a little bit flexible because I think the realistic side of things is that things change at the drop of a hat everything could be going perfectly all morning you think perfect when they go down for their nap in the afternoon I'm going to exercise and then they only nap for 10 minutes or something and and it's so difficult to learn your baby's routines at the beginning I remember thinking how on earth am I going to ever find 10 minutes on my own today but I learned for me that the best time to exercise for me and Alfie is first thing in the morning because that's when he's most chilled and when I can exercise with him there but my goals have changed and, I, and I've, I've set myself goals in terms of I would like to try and do X, Y, and Z this week rather than I'm definitely going to do legs on Monday, arms mm-hmm. on Tuesday. You know, it's, I think you will get back to being able to do that, but I think you have to be flexible in terms of your, your goals just to begin with. And my biggest tip, which I found very helpful, is to get up and put on your exercise stuff first thing in the morning because then when you do get that window of opportunity to exercise, you're not rushing around trying to get your sports bar on and find your trainers. You're just ready to go and you can do your exercise in that 20 minutes and then you're done. Um, but I definitely found it hard to, to set goals. And in fact, for the first six months up until now, really, my only goal was to just try and see how I see what I could get done. I didn't have any other goals than that because I found it too demoralizing when I didn't, achieve any of them because it wasn't through my own own motivation it was the fact that I physically couldn't find the time or you know my my baby didn't didn't allow me to that day so I actually took all the pressure off to begin with and I think we can't underestimate either how much exercise you actually do do if you have a toddler (laughs) and a baby really because you know even things like you know when I if I'm out for a walk and it's just you know a stroll with Amandine I might she might be on her bike and I might be pushing her on her bike where I'm having to squat down a little bit and run and then it's a little bit like interval training almost and then pushing her up a hill or putting her on my shoulders and carrying her bike I mean that's it's actually quite a workout if you break all those things down and then you know squatting down to pick her up and maybe doing a lunge here or there to put her on your knee to adjust her welly or something. We actually do do a lot of of movement <laughs> absolutely absolutely my, my watch um, I'm wearing an apple watch these days and it constantly tells me you've completed your exercise room and it's <laughs> I've not done any exercise but clearly I have been so you're completely right mm. don't underestimate how much we are actually doing on top even if it's not been done on a mat with weight or whatever we are very we're not really sitting on the sofa that much these days are we no we are not <laughs> <laughs> How much standing is too much standing during pregnancy? 
Well, that's very individual. So um, that depends on how you feel. There, there isn't too much standing. Um, so if your body can cope with with however much standing you're doing, then that's fine. I think a lot of women will feel like their lower back might kick in and mm. their feet get swollen if they're standing too much. But there isn't a specific amount of time. Um, when it comes to standing that's you know not safe for you or the baby and just just look after your body and if your body is telling you that it's uncomfortable um then perhaps that's too much for you and how about walking can you walk too much during a pregnancy or should there be a limit or is that very much the same no it's very much the same it's very much the same as that so there isn't too much of I mean, I was going to say too much of anything. There is. You know, there's too much is too much, isn't it? So Mm. you walk however much you need to walk, but you'll find by trial and error that one day you'll push it too far and you'll be completely exhausted or sore when you get home. And then you have to think, okay, that was too far for me. Next time I won't do quite so much. Um, And it will change as you go through the pregnancy. I remember one day I went to the corner shop and I came back and I thought, oh my God, I feel like I've walked for two hours. And then another day I felt absolutely fine walking for an hour um through the park so there isn't really a rule in terms of walking if you feel good doing it then great but just just assess it as you go along any tips for exercise whilst baby wearing so this is interesting because i actually don't teach any baby wearing workouts because because i just because that's just not my style but i know that they're really handy for people who um whose babies only settle in the carrier so for those early weeks especially it can be really helpful so the only thing I would say to bear in mind is that your posture does change when you're wearing a baby mm. um, I don't know if you feel this but when I'm just walking with him in the carrier I notice that I'm leaning back a little bit because oh, definitely, yeah. he's pulling me forward so when you do things like squats normally your body would go forwards a little bit um, just as a natural posture so when you're wearing a baby just make sure you're counterbalancing by really switching on those back muscles to keep your form correct. So I would say absolutely fine to do completely. And if, if it's the only way you can get your exercise done, then absolutely go for it. But but do be mindful of your posture. And do, as your baby gets heavier, make sure the carrier is on correctly and tight enough so that, that it's not pulling you forward and hurting your back. Because Alfie is now, um, what is he? I think he's nearly nine kilos. And just doing a walk with him, I felt my lower back was really having to work extra hard and mm. um, just keep me upright. So just just be mindful of that, I'd say. But that's my own advice. If, if your baby's happy in there, then brilliant. Do you have any recommendations for postnatal exercise that doesn't feel like your bits are going to fall out? well if you are feeling like your bits are going to fall out this means that you really really cannot ignore those early stages of exercise so I have been part of um, a postnatal program that actually Claire was as well and we designed it with an app called fit f-i-i-t and um, it's a 24-week plan and the first couple of the first two weeks I think are, are just pilates yoga everything's sort of on the mat and it's all about regaining that strength helping your your body to keep your insides inside you you know mm-hmm. so it's helping to keep your pelvic floor strong and, and reconnect with your pelvic floor so that you know how to use it again because after having having given birth you lose that that brain muscle connection so mm-hmm. you need to work on bringing that back so i would say if you're feeling like everything's falling out then you must go back to those basic strength and exercises, you know, Pilates work, because 
if whatever you're doing causes you to feel like that, it's too hard for your body. So don't ignore that. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel like that forever. Not at all. It's never too late to work on these things, but I would go and see a physio first of all, just so they can tell you what's actually going on there. And is it that it's just still recovering or maybe there's something you need to work on with them? Um, but it's a, it's your body's sign to say something doesn't feel quite right. Um, we need to adapt what we're doing. So if whatever you're doing that makes you feel like that, stop that for now and then go back to the basics and work on building up that strength. So now we have a few questions around um, core. So exercises for diastasis recti? Um, in pregnancy or in postnatal? I would say both. Okay, so... In pregnancy, you might notice that, well, absolutely every single woman will have a split abdominals by the end of their pregnancy. It's not possible for your baby to fit into your tummy without your abdominals moving apart. So please don't worry that, you know, you've got it because you will. You have to have it. It's just one of those things. And it doesn't hurt when they separate because that's another myth that people are really panicked about. It's splitting in half and things like this. You don't really feel it. It's just them stretching apart. So that's the first thing. And during pregnancy, if ever you see your bump sort of doming or pointing, that is just the sign that your body is giving you to say that that core exercise is a bit too much pressure um, and you need to adapt it. Don't panic. I had one lady calling me in absolute panic saying that her friend told her that when you see your bump pointing like that, it means you're going to miscarry. And honestly, oh, gosh. Woman, poor lady, it doesn't mean anything like that. All it means is that the exercise you're doing is too much for your core. So that's when you, you either don't do that exercise anymore or you adapt it so it's slightly less pressure for your core. So be mindful of looking after your core throughout your pregnancy. That's the first thing you can do. If you are already postnatal and you, you, you didn't do that, then don't panic because it's fine. You can still work on it. After you've had your baby, you want to still protect your core at the beginning. So anytime you see your tummy doing this pointing position, and it might obviously it's not hard anymore, so it might be harder to see, but you want to make sure that you're avoiding those exercises. So we don't want to go back into doing crunches and sit-ups and you know weighted twists and holding planks for two minutes and things like this because it's actually too hard for your core. So like with running, you need to build up to these exercises. So there's plenty you can do for your core to build it back up. And the first start, first thing is to start practicing your breathing techniques so I go through this a lot in the book but you basically want to exhale as you exert the effort so in any exercise the hardest part for example if you were doing a squat as you stand back up from the squat that's the hardest part so you would exhale and engage your core so gently just pull it in you're not going to be sucking in your tummy or anything just gently engaging it and making sure that it's working as you do the movement. So that way you'll know that you're working your core throughout every exercise you're doing, lunges, press-ups, squats. You're always, always, always using your core. Um, in terms of actual specific core exercises, you start by doing very basic, you know, um, lifting one leg up in the air, maintaining the core tension, bringing it back down, then doing the other leg. And at all times, you're going to be keeping an eye on your core to make sure that it's staying nice and Nice and strong, and I was going to say flat, but you know, we might not all have a flat tummy after having a baby, it's hard to see, but making sure it's not bulging up when we're doing the exercise, it's staying nice and controlled. 
Um, and this is something that also, after you've had a baby, if you think you have a diastasis still, because we all will have one, I apologise for interrupting your listening, but I just wanted to briefly warn you that from here on, unfortunately, something happened to Charlie's audio and there is an echo on her responses, which I just can't seem to get rid of. I believe it happened at the point of recording. There's about 10 minutes left of the episode where Charlie answers a few more questions. So do try and stick with it. And she tells us all about her brilliant book at the end. So if you can stick with it, there's some great information there. And she describes lots of exercises that you can do. If you think after you've still got one and you've got um, your sort of self-diagnosing, I really would recommend going to see a physio so they can talk you through it because there's way more to it than how wide your gap is. I mean, Claire will go into this in much more detail, but it's all about how how soft it is underneath and how well your core can connect underneath. And so it's about how wide and how deep. And it's very hard to self-diagnose that. So if you think that that's something you're dealing with, I would go and see a physio if possible and get them to give you a specific personalised plan of action. But there is a lot of work you can do, Pilates-style core exercising that involves your breathing to get you back up to doing those uh, sort of traditional core exercises. But please don't think you can never do a crunch again it's not a forbidden exercise it's just not the very best one to start with when you come back to exercising after having a baby and in pregnancy are there any that are actually safe for your core during pregnancy or you know any ab exercises at all or should they just be avoided no, no, no. When, when you say ab exercises, I, I see the word ab exercises as sort of traditional, they're like crunches and sit-ups mm. and things. So I would say um, you, should, you don't need to avoid them all, but you need to adapt them. So there's a lot of ways to engage the core um, really, really safely and effectively. And actually, we should be working our core the whole way through pregnancy if we can, because it, it needs to hold in our baby, you know, like there's a lot going on there. We need our core to sort of stay awake for as long as it can. And um, with my clients and my classes, I tend to do things like I'll get everybody in a half, in a, a plank with their knees dropped down. And we're going to really slowly lift one arm as we pull in the core, hold it, breathe, bring the arm back down, do the same with the other side. You've got Lots of things you can do in side plank position, um, dropping the bottom knee down to take the pressure off a little bit. Um, and there's loads you can do when you're actually doing things like squats and lunges to make it into a core exercise. So, for example, holding one weight on one side. So you're putting your body off balance a little bit so that your core has to work really hard to keep you standing upright. And actually, as a mum, you will know that that's very, very common Common to be be in that that position position. how How often are we holding our baby with two hands not not very often they're usually on one hip and you're doing a lunge down to pick up the toy they dropped on the floor and that's why we need to be strong in that position so when you are pregnant by offsetting your balance slightly by holding one weight only on one side you're really keeping your core strong for purpose so getting it ready to do the exact movements that it will do um in the future Mm, absolutely and I definitely do that with my toddler (laughs) 100% she's on my hip nearly all the time but it's always the same hips (laughs) so I'm probably really nice and strong on one side and horrifically weak on the other side yes try to switch the sides I know it's so hard but it's really helpful if you can keep your body even Mm. switching the arms that you hold your babies in 
So a question here, my core still feels like jelly 20 months, I think it's 20 months, she didn't specify 20 months or weeks, but I'm going to assume 20 months, um, postpartum. What can I do to strengthen it? I do insanity three times a week. Okay, okay so, so, I mean, I mean it's just saying it feels, feels like, like jelly. jelly. I don't, I don't know, know whether she means to touch or it feels like jelly, as in it feels wobbly and weak. Because if it feels like jelly to touch... That could be that she's actually very strong and her core is back, you know, it's back functioning great, especially if she's doing insanity workouts. And actually the jelly part is the the body fat on top of the strength. So in terms of that, that's when diet has to come into play. And that's the, I find that the boring part. I feel like I can push myself through the exercise just fine. But when it comes to not eating my chocolate in the evening, I find that really tough. And often yeah. men don't want to be told it's diet. They want to be able to fix it a different way. But but the the jelly feeling on top, if it's, if it's because it's soft and it's, it's the body fat, then diet has to be addressed as well as the exercise. The other thing I would say is maybe if she's feeling jelly-like in terms of weak, maybe insanity is not the type of workout she should be focusing on. Maybe doing one insanity class a week instead of three, and in the other two sessions doing some, some focused strength work, building up that strength, because actually maybe she's not using her core like she thinks she is in insanity, and it's it's not helping her in the right way. So I would address it that way, and I know that we're all addicted to HIIT workouts, and we love getting that, those endorphins by you know pushing ourselves really hard, but if she just takes a few weeks to really focus on the strength building of her core, then when she goes back to doing insanity, she might feel that she can adapt to it a lot better and that her core feels stronger. So I hope that answers her question in both ways that she might have meant it. Uh, should you stop exercises that cause that heavy feeling down below or is that the new normal? I know we have touched on this, but... No, that is not the new normal. It's it's not. It's very common to feel this feeling, but it's not normal. So do not, please, do not go through your life thinking, "Oh well, I've had a baby, so that's just it now." You, there is not no need for you to feel that ongoing. So if there's an exercise that makes you feel like that, whether it's that you're feeling heavy down below, you're leaking, um, you have pain. That, that is not okay. okay. So, so stop, stop the exercise that makes you feel that. Make a note of it. Go to see a physio. Talk it through. Um, or, or, or just stop it. Go back and go back a few steps. Work on the strength again and build back up to whatever you were doing. But please don't accept this uncomfortable feeling because it's not. You do not have to live like that. But it's it's very common. So don't panic. But there's lots you can do. Are there any specific exercises that you can explain relatively easily on a podcast that are good for rebuilding the pelvic floor other than, obviously, um, Kegels? So Kegels are, you know, the pelvic floor squeezes, and those are the, like, the base of all of the pelvic floor work. So I would say that those you must do as much as you can all the time. But then the other thing, and I've spoken about it already, is breathing. Really, really don't underestimate the power of how much your breath can connect to your pelvic floor. So it just means that when you're doing another exercise, you can make it into a pelvic floor exercise as well. So you can be doing a lunge, and when you stand back up from the lunge, you're going to do your same breathing exercise that I said to involve your core, but at the same time, you're going to lift your pelvic floor. So as much as you think of your pelvic floor as a squeezing mechanism, if you imagine it as a hammock, 
that's holding that your organs in, which is actually what it is. It goes underneath you. You don't just want to squeeze it in. You want to lift it up. So if you use your core muscles to help you pull that pelvic floor muscle up towards your belly button as you, you know, stand up from a lunge, then you can add in the pelvic floor work into all of your other exercises. The other things you can do, um, you can, there are lots of things, let me try and explain one. So lying down on the mat, you've got both knees bent and your feet on the floor, and you're going to keep your foot on the floor, but gently slide it all the way out until you've got a straight leg. And your leg is flat on the floor and then keeping your foot to the floor is where you're going to slide it all the way back up so that your heel comes towards your bottom and you're going to pull up your pelvic floor as you move it as you move your leg so there's lots of things you can do that way you can also then drop one knee down to the side still bent and then bring it back up again and it's all exercises that they look very very simple and if you and do if them you do too fast, they do seem very simple. But if you slow it down and think about using your pelvic floor to help you lift that muscle, they can be really, really effective. So I think it's a really great question that she wants to know more options because that means that she's really focused on recovering, which is great. Kegels are are the, are the one that we should all be doing, but there are loads more to do. And actually... I don't, I don't mean for this to sound like a selling technique at all, but Claire and I did a whole chapter in um, in the book about these exercises that you can do to help. And I think we put about 10 in there with descriptions and images and everything um, because there is loads you can do. And the book is brilliant. It is really, really great. I've just done it now, actually, with you explaining... Like, yes, squeezing the key, uh, squeezing the pelvic floor, I can do that, but actually using the core to lift it as well. It's a very different sensation, actually. Yes, yes it is. And do you know, I think people react very differently to different cues. Um, but I really resonated with imagining it was a hammock rather than sort of two things on one thing on each side squeezing in. If you imagine it's a hammock lifting up, and you do your pelvic floor squeezes, your kegels, your bottom muscles should not be switched on. So you should be able to jiggle your bottom cheeks with your hand whilst you're squeezing your pelvic floor. So you're not just squeezing your glutes. It's a very internal squeeze, if that makes sense. But the hammock analogy really helped me. Yeah. No, it's a really, really good one. Last couple of questions. Any advice on exercising POP? Is running ever achievable again? Is running ever achievable again? I think she's talking about pelvic girdle pain. I'm not entirely sure what POP means. Possibly. Okay, well, let's imagine it's that because I'm not sure what else that would mean. But um, is running ever possible again? Absolutely. It's absolutely impossible again. No matter what you're going through, actually, you will always be able to get back to doing the exercise you like if you address it correctly. So if you're feeling any symptoms um, after, say, the eight-week mark, I would go and see a physio as a matter of importance because you just don't want these things to be dragging on any longer than they have to. As I said before, motherhood involves enough work as it is so you don't want to be having any extra symptoms on the side so you go and see a physio they'll be able to give you rehab exercises and you will be able to go back to running but just build it back up gently so I really recommend anyone even if you're a professional runner I've got a friend who runs ultra marathons and she's just had a baby and she's gone back to the couch to 5k program which is a brilliant app you can download which guides you in your ear you know walk now jog now run now and it, and it guides you back into it 
in a really steady process. So she's a professional runner and she's a coach and she's, you know, that's her job. Yet she has gone back to the basics because she knows that building up steadily and correctly is, is the only way she's going to get back to running properly without any pain. So please don't worry. Um, you will get back there, but just take the um, steps to correct those things now so they don't get any worse. Mm. Maybe POP is post no maybe not okay last question working out around baby and an older sibling and I know we did touch on this before um just making you know not having any particular set goals yeah it's very it's very tricky because you know as much as it's all you see these lovely videos on Instagram of the kids joining in or whatever all know five minutes max and then I've never been able to recreate that no, exactly. It doesn't last for very long. You definitely can't do an hour's workout with that going on. So what I would say is, first of all, embrace the chaos. If you've got your toddler running around you, it's not going to be a zen workout with your nice workout music and get your me time. It's just not going to be that. So embrace the chaos. That's fine. I would get out as many toys and distraction techniques as you possibly can ahead of your workout session. So me personally, I would think put on the TV, put on the iPad or put out loads of toys to play with, books to read, just pull out the toy box and just let them be entertained for as long as possible. Um, and me personally, when I'm exercising, when Alfie's next to me, in between squats, I'm sort of pulling funny faces at him and, and getting him a different toy to play with or picking him up and making him laugh because... Because that's the only way I can keep going. So once I got rid of that ideal, perfect scenario in my head of, you know, it'd be a quiet room and he's going to be sleeping and I've got my own music on. Once I realized that that just wasn't going to happen every time, then I then I was much more calm about the whole thing, much less stressed and just got on with it. And, you know, if it takes you an hour to get 25 minutes of exercise done, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You've done it um, and it will only get easier as you go on. But I think... When you've got a toddler and a baby or even more children than that, it's, it's just chaotic, isn't it? And especially in lockdown now, we're having to exercise at home. I think anything you can get done is just brilliant. Um, and just don't, try not to give yourself a hard time about it. Absolutely. And that brings us to the end of our questions. We did have a few more, which I'm just quickly going to read out, because if you're listening and you haven't had your question answered, it's not because we've run out of time or we don't want to answer it. It's because um, I'm going to ask Claire when Claire comes on, who is the physio who works with Charlie and wrote her book with her. Um, I'm going to discuss those with her. Um, so these questions were mainly around C-section and hip pain. Um, so is there any way to minimise the C-section pouch of skin? Had hip pain in last pregnancy and, again, best ways to protect against this. Um, another C-section exercise is to get rid of the lip over the scar and diastasis treated and is now less than one centimetre but still looks awful. What can I do? So these will get answered in a future podcast and I will chat with Claire about those um, and we'll get the answers to those for you. But in the meantime, if you're concerned, make sure that you contact your own physio or a physio local to you or perhaps Claire um, and I'm sure that they will be able to help you if it is urgent. Um, Charlie, thank you so much, so, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your knowledge with the listeners. I really, really appreciate it. 
Oh, my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your book, because I was very kindly sent your book. Thank you very, very much. It is wonderful. And actually being pregnant myself, it has given me the confidence to just do a little bit more than I was doing, which is really, really nice. Um, and I'm really excited to get into it postnatally as well. But tell us a little bit about that and where listeners can find it, when it's out, what it's going to help them with. Well, it's actually out now. It came out on last week, so you can get it now. Um, it's a book that is a prenatal book, and it's split into sections. Well, you've got pre-babies, so you've got anybody who's who's planning a baby, and you've got first trimester, second, third, and fourth. So that's the bit I was just talking about, that, that building yourself back up to exercise. So from birth till about six to eight weeks, about the pelvic floor work you can do, etc., etc. Throughout the book, there are 12 workouts per trimester. There's so much in there to keep you busy. And they work through upper body, lower body, full body, core, um, making sure that you've got all the adaptations you need to keep safe as your bump is growing. And intermittently, in between those workouts, you've got Claire um, filling you in with things to look out for, um, you know, the physio side of things and what's going on in your body. You've also got a lot from me just chatting, just chatting you through my pregnancy um so it's sort of like you get my pregnancy diary throughout um because I really didn't want people to feel women to feel like they were on their own in this journey and I know we all know we're not the only one but sometimes in pregnancy it can feel like oh gosh I'm the only one who doesn't seem to be sailing through this or you know I talk about how I ate crisps for breakfast lunch and dinner in the first trimester and I don't know just because my personal training does not mean that I sailed through with nothing untoward in pregnancy I had hormonal outbursts I ate crisps all day there was some weeks where I didn't feel like exercising at all and then there was some where I felt great so you get a bit of the science stuff a bit of me chatting and then lots and lots of workouts in there to keep you busy so you can find it um, in all major bookshops now and on Amazon and yeah it's ready 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 to go and it is brilliant and it's so beautiful as well it's such a beautiful colour scheme and uh, it's lovely well done congratulations thank you so much oh my pleasure well thank you so much for coming on Charlie thank you so much for listening I hope you found that really helpful and a big thank you to our friends at Nourish Bundle London and Mum's The Word Book for supporting today's podcast I will catch up with you all next week have a lovely rest of your week and please if you have a moment do review subscribe and rate it really really helps other mums to find the series and be supported by our wonderful community Just before we go, I'd like to introduce you to the hilariously funny and brutally honest parenting book, Mums the Word. Written by Rebecca Oxtoby, the five-star rated book has topped the Amazon best-selling charts for childcare. It exposes the unfiltered truth behind life as a mama and will have you crying with laughter. What better way to spend lockdown? It's available now on Amazon. Just search Mums the Word book and don't forget to follow at book mums the word on instagram her second book is released in may and i simply can't wait